Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today I have Jeff Meacham of NoDQ.com returning to the show. Um, Jeff is, I'm going to try to get it right this time. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to try to get the intro right this time. Jeff is the reigning defending undisputed NoDQ.com wrestling trivia challenge champion. Correct? You got it. I got it right. Three times over. Three times over. There it is. Three times over. Um, he's valiantly fought back to win that championship, you know, for the third time. Uh, for anyone who isn't aware of what I'm talking about, NoDQ.com does a series of YouTube videos uh, where it's, ba- it's, it's exactly how it sounds. It's wrestling trivia. And they've had a couple really good guys on there. Uh, the, the previous champion uh, who you recently reclaimed the belt from was really good. That guy, that guy really knew his stuff. Um, I wish I knew his name so I can give him a shout-out. Would you mind David, doing that? David J. Diaz. He, uh, he, he lives over on the uh, Rocket Gibraltar where he lives you know, over in Europe. And uh, he it's one of those things. Greg, when, when Greg defeated me, he, he trounced me. Completely just obliterated me, blew me out of the water, and it took everything I had to get it back in the rematch at the beginning of season two. Toward the end of season two, David came on, and it was pretty neck and neck, but the difference is David didn't miss a single question that was his. And what I mean by that is Aaron asked him whatever he asked him, and David didn't miss one question that was originally his question. I think he missed maybe one of one that was to both of us, and then he got a couple, a couple of mine that were passed because I didn't know the answer. So he he was probably the most knowledgeable guy we had on the show to defeat me, and then coming back and beating him at the end of season two, and then if you're on NoDQ.com YouTube, um, today actually, I believe season three, episode one is up, and Greg is the host now, and it, it's, it, it's a pretty decent rematch between David and I, the rubber match, if you will, to determine once and for all who is the undisputed champion. And I will, you know, again, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you probably already know the, the results of that because you're a Jeff Meacham fan, hopefully. But uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting season with Greg Cherry hosting now. And I look forward to the challenges that are going to be. As a matter of fact, we're going to tape, like, uh, I believe we're going to film one tomorrow. So we'll see how things play out there. Um, but the reason I wanted to come on and talk to you today, Stephen, is because I found myself. You know, staying awake as best I could and over on uh, January 4th, and uh, it was a struggle to stay awake, but it was one of those things where y- y- you have to see something like this live, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And just really quickly, I, I wanted to ask you, so with, with Greg Cherry hosting the show now, does that mean he also chooses the questions for the show? Because that dude, that dude has some pretty pretty difficult questions throughout the series. Like, I know he's, like, real big on, like, super uh, – uh, uh, what's like, like the Royal Rumble questions, for instance? He knows like the entry number of like every Royal Rumble entrant. You know, I know like is it so like obscure as I guess would be like obscure knowledge that guy has down pat. Greg, Greg is our resident Royal Rumble expert, no question about that. No DQ. He, he is our Royal Rumble guy. As a matter of fact, um, I went to his house um five years ago now this year. It'll be 2013, so five years ago, and. The reason I went back east to stay at his house for a week with him and his wife to, to visit, you know, see, I got to see real snow. I got to experience, you know, being in the snow. So it was cool, but it was for the purposes of watching the Royal Rumble with my, my favorite Royal Rumble fan, and that, that was part of the lore of going. And you know, it was it was one of those things where it just worked out so well. And Greg, Greg has been following our shows since if you 
remember back to these days, uh, Stephen, uh, XMV. Oh, yeah, for sure. Back in the day, if you will. And uh, he's become a, he's become a, uh, a valuable, uh, a valuable uh, host to us and a, a valuable panel expert. And more importantly to me, he's become a great friend. And yes, he will have challenging questions for me. And yes, there will be some rumble questions, I'm sure. But he even he stated to us in a staff meeting that there won't be as many rumble questions as even he thought he was going to put on there. So hopefully, it won't be. It'll be a variety of subjects coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Okay, very cool. And you know, you mentioned XMV, and and that you know, this is why having shows with you is so fun, especially like today. <clears throat> I definitely consider it a uh, an honor, you know, a uh, a big compliment that you know I I stayed up all night, pulled the all nighter, watched the full New Japan show live, and while I'm on Twitter, which was really cool by the way, like wrestling Twitter was was popping that night. Like a lot of people yeah, stayed up to watch, and I loved it. And you know, out of nowhere. Um, I'm just like scrolling through like my mentions and stuff, trying to interact with some fans during the show, and I see uh, one of your fans, who I'm I'm one of your fans, and you know another one of your fans hits you up on Twitter and asks you the question of you know where can we hear your review of this, and you said I want to go on Fight Talk with Steven Jensen. This is I hadn't invited you, and that's to- you know you have an open invitation. I've told you that many times, but but that's a real big thing for me, man, because like to be your I, what I'm assuming was your first choice to come and talk to me about this uh, this huge show is a really big deal for me too because I know you have a very big following. I've been following you since those XMV days myself, uh, so I really appreciate you wanting to come on my show to talk about this. This is awesome. Well, you know, I, I, I found, Stephen, that when, when it comes to talking about the wrestling world outside of WWE or even the fight world outside of WWE, I, I, I tend to go to you because you, uh, you cover UFC more than... Um, com. That's, that, that's a personal choice of Aaron's. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to criticize or anything because it's his website, his deal. But I like to talk about, you know, UFC. I like to talk about New Japan. I like to talk about, you know, things that I am interested in. I will be completely blunt force trauma honest. First of all, I didn't subscribe to New, to New Japan World until Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Going into January 4th, I will admit that. And um, I also have to admit that I had to watch the last two matches back later in the day on January 4th because during the Intercontinental title match I, I completely it was an exhausting January 3rd I literally just passed out from exhaustion well you're not the only one man so, like it, it, that was one of the fun things also about being on Twitter that night was like seeing like how it was like like mention and, and uh, like comment and this and that after comment like for like you know hundreds of people thousands of people probably at one point and then kind of throughout the night seeing kind of one by one, the number is getting a little bit lower because I mean yeah. it's like seven in the morning over here and you know in Nashville and like I you know I got lucky from the sense of like like th- these matches were so good for the most part I mean they were all all worth seeing they were so good that like I actually didn't have a hard time staying awake which I was pretty surprised about then once the show was over I was so pumped up from the the double main event that like I couldn't sleep for like another hour you know I'm, like up still thinking about it. Um, but it's cool to see that you kind of uh, kind of made the jump over to New Japan World, and you're getting more and more invested because you're you're really well known for being like a really really smart fan from the spent the sense of like NWA knowledge, WCW, WWF, ECW, you know all that kind of stuff. But I've never really hear you guys over at NoDQ.com talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. So for you to be doing this, like. That's a big step in the right direction, I think, for for you as a fan to try to to kind of you know expand your own horizons, do something a little different, and maybe give the rub to some of that no DQ crowd also. Well, I will 
right now, but seeing those three matches last year, and I'll be honest with you, on this as well, the guy that makes the, uh, the wrestling figure belt for my son and I, uh, Bill Jeremio, up in the Sacramento area, he has been touting New Japan to me for many, many years now, and it took it took me watching back the three Okada Omega matches at the end of last year to really go, wow, they're doing some. And then I went and watched the cards and went and watched it, and it's like, wow, this is really, really good. Like, you know, it, it's not, there's not a whole lot of, you know, storyline um, drama to it, but the, the drama in the matches themselves is what is the draw for New Japan, I believe. And again, first time talking to New Japan on a podcast or any sort of thing, really, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where I wanted to see this show live, and I didn't see the match I wanted to see live because I don't know when I passed up. I woke up at 8 o'clock here at the West Coast going, oh, dude absolutely um and you know before we get into the actual show i i want to mention you brought up a good point you know that the in-ring stories telling the stories you know and and that's something that has been my biggest criticism of wwe over the last geez it's been a it's been a long time now that i've had kind of you know not i, I understand like you know wwe is a pg show i've been a fan of it since i was a kid like i love the wwe i'm always gonna be a wwe fan but for me at 30 years old now or nearing on 30 years old, it's like, there's a product like New Japan out here for fans like myself, who were big fans of like, ECW, WCW, WWF, you know, in the 90s, the, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night Wars, all this stuff, and then may have gravitated more towards mixed martial arts, because, you know, maybe you get a little older, you get my, maybe a thirst for like, the real competition, the storylines get a little cheesier throughout the years, you get a little older, you know, it's a combination of all these things, and when you find a company like New Japan, you're like, holy shit, like, you don't, like, I can watch all these shows with no English commentary, all Japanese, and understand exactly what's going on, because you can see by the story in the ring, who's the heel, who's the baby face, who's getting what crowd reaction, you can put it all together without any of the extra stuff, and what they do really, really good with is they protect their championships and their top stars, and they don't, they don't make a lot of changes in that realm like they have like they're kind of their handful of guys that are at the top and there's those there's not room for a lot of people there but they've chosen like the right people throughout the years so so you know we're going to talk about this show but if and when somebody beats Okada for you know his championship it's going to be a massive deal and 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 it's one of those things where winners and losers in pro wrestling you know we always hear like you know losses don't matter unless like you're losing every match in WWE and that kind of stuff. But like in New Japan, but you know, my, my point being like, when I, when I did predictions for this show, I prefaced my predictions on Twitter by saying, I'm okay with any outcome of any of these matches because I like everybody involved on the show. So it isn't a situation where like, you know, if you hate Roman Reigns, for instance, and you watch a WWE show and you're just cringing the whole time going, well, here it is again, another Roman Reigns win, or here it is again, another this or that, same old stuff. With this, I'm like, well, shit, either either Naito's going to win or Okada's going to win. Either way, the match is going to be good. I'm going to want to see both guys afterwards. So it's a win-win-win-win-win-win-win situation for everybody. Exactly, yep. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, and, that's, and that's the thing. And, that, and that's why, you know, I mentioned... 
before we started uh, recording, I'll be talking to Mark Ramondi from MMAfighting.com later today about this show. And that's another cool thing because he's one of those guys that comes from the world of MMA. He's, he's a prominent journalist in the world of MMA. And he's become a huge New Japan fan over the last couple of years because it's such an MMA-style product in the pro wrestling world. So it's got mass appeal to so many different people. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of those... I, I, I need English commentary. I'll be brutally honest. I, I, I guess my buzzword's going to be honest today on the show. It's going to be honest. Buzz, it's buzzword. <laughs> it's okay. But, um, or, or, you know, blunt force trauma, whatever you want to say. But um, I, I needed... I definitely needed uh, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis because I tried... I, I, I was trying to watch... A buddy of mine, Rick Ellis, who I used to manage in uh, Epic War uh, way back when, Great Fumbles 10 years ago now, um, who was also a big wrestling fan, a big New Japan fan, he and his buddies on, on their podcast had a uh, had a list of matches of the year 2017. And I tried to find as many as I could with English commentary, because a lot of them were in Japan, I'll be honest. But um, uh, some of them, I, I, I can't, the, the, the Japanese commentary, I, I don't know the Japanese language, so it was hard for me to watch with, without much commentary, but like you said, the matches at Wrestle Kingdom 12, if, if I'd watched them without any commentary, just with crowd noise alone, I think I would have been okay, because the drama and all of the matches were just so well done. You know, even the New Japan Rumble, which is the goofiest thing I've ever seen in Japan, <laughs> I think, ever. Right. Even that told a funny story, I thought. Yeah, well, let's talk about it, man. We'll just jump right in. You know, the first match of the night was the New Japan Rumble, and I always get excited for this because it, it is goofy, but, you know, you, you might wind up seeing some people that you don't expect. Uh, like, for instance, at last year's New Japan Rumble, Scott Norton showed up and powerbombed some people, and I was marking out. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is Scott Norton hitting powerbombs in Japan again. Like, I loved it. Uh, I think it was the year before when uh, Ming Haku was a part of the, the Rumble and stuff, so it's like, you randomly see these people pop up. Uh, for me, I think, you know, you know, seeing a guy like Delirious, for instance, was probably something big for you. I mean, how long have we been watching guys like Delirious? Uh, and it was so funny. You walk up like, holy shit, it's Delirious. Right. Like, holy shit, it's Delirious. I can talk to Twitter. Holy shit, it's Delirious. It's a Rumble. Like, I wasn't expecting to see him. There he is right out of the gate. I'm like, oh, okay. I know, I, I know that guy. Exactly. And they seem like Yuji Nagata. Dude, and he's a guy that I, I think Takamichi Noku never got his full his full credit, man. Like I still remember him I still remember thinking he had a chance of beating Triple H for the WWF championship in that one match where like yep. you know, like I'll never forget that. Like he was so good that I really believed he could do it at one point. Um Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, when when you talk about WrestleMania fourteen, you talk about Austin and Michaels, you talk about Mike Tyson, you talk about Undertaker Kane's first match. People forget that Takamichinoku had one hell of a match with the guy that became Jesse Rios later, but um, it was, it, that was an amazing light heavyweight championship match, and pe- people just kind of let that fall by the wayside, but Taka's been very, very good for a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, we won't go through all the competitors in here. Check it out for yourself if you missed the match. Uh, but, you know, of course, like Jushin Liger, I've got to mention. Oh, dude, I agree, man. And it's something, you know, I started subscribing back around the time that Nakamura started getting, like, really hot. Uh, this was probably, like, 
geez, I don't know, maybe five years or so ago is when I finally like was like, listen, this is worth my 10 bucks a month or whatever. Like I need to just get on this. And uh, the winner of the New Japan Rumble match was uh, Masahiro Kakahara, who I don't know a lot about. But what, but what is interesting is, um, you know, I, I was listening to the, the, the English commentary during this and it sounds like he was battling cancer. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's really good to see this guy come back, get a win, get an ovation from the crowd. And what I thought was interesting when I was doing some research on him is he's 1-0 in mixed martial arts also, and his his win is against Rocky Romero, who also wrestles for New Japan, which is kind of funny. So. Rocky, Rocky Romero, who is a pretty decent friend of mine from in the independence here in Southern California. I love Rocky. I'm, I'm so glad he's working for New Japan basically full-time now because he's so good at what he does. And, yeah, he's not wrestling right now. He's managing – uh, tag team dress, I can't even say the name word properly. I apologize. It's okay. But um, it's uh, he, Rocky Romero is a very, a very underrated talent. I think in the wrestling, the fact that he's getting such a huge, uh, such a huge uh, uh, presence in New Japan, I think is really awesome. But yeah, the the, the, the gentleman that won the New Japan Rumble, I, I can't say his name, so forgive me. If I, I I'm not having trouble with names today. But uh, it was a really cool story. The fact that he had survived cancer and came back, and you know. The fact that he was in there against Cheeseburger at the end, it's like, dude, Cheeseburger, really, guys? Come on. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 mean, I love Cheeseburger. It's a great, it's a great uh, gimmick. It's a funny story. But, you know, it's, it, 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 I, I'm glad the gentleman from Japan won, not Cheeseburger, personally. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a grudge with Cheeseburger right now, personally. And I'm not gonna, I'm not here to, like, air grieve it, you know, air, you know, you know, dirty laundry or anything like that. But like at one point, Cheeseburger followed me on Twitter and we actually met up at one point in, uh, in Nashville because Ring of Honor was in town and yada, yada. I asked him to do my podcast and he, he unfollowed right. me, muted me the whole, I was like, really? All I did was ask you if you wanted to come to my podcast. Wow. Like, I, like it wasn't, yeah, it, it was one of those things that was so bizarre because like he was such a nice dude in person. And I think he, and I think he is a nice guy. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that he's like a terrible person. It was just kind of surprising to me that like, Usually when I ask someone if they want to do my show, they either say yes, they say no, they ask for more information, or, or they just don't get back to me. But he's the first one that was just, like, muted, unfollowed, like, like really? Come on, man. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get you, um, you know, it, it does me more to, to have him on, you know, than vice versa, let's be honest. Like, having him on my show is a bigger deal than, you know, but I was still like, oh, man, come on. It's like, it's your cheeseburger. I thought you were, like a guy of the, of the people, you know, ring of honor, you know, dojo and like this little guy making it in pro wrestling. I figured he'd be all over it, but, uh, wasn't for him, I guess. Well, it's, it, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, mutual be- be- beneficiary because we were doing XMV and the old audio show back in the day. We, we kind of, we kind of got too big for our own britches kind of thing in that, you know, when we were doing XMV, uh, taping the PWG, you know, you know, Aaron, you know, back then, at least wanted, you know, AJ Styles and Richard Daniels and guys from TNA and Ring of Honor. And it's like, why are we interviewing guys like Joey Ryan? And, you know, look at Joey Ryan now. It's like, dude, why did we have Joey Ryan on 10 years ago, 15 years ago? We were doing these shows originally. Because, God, that would have been so cool right. to have one of our own guys. Like, Joey, Joey Ryan is is maybe the biggest, like, what-the-hell story in wrestling history. But I love Joey. Joey's an amazing guy. And the fact that we didn't interview him when we did, when we could have, it was just like, oh, so frustrating to me looking back. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling, man. It's, it's weird, but it, I, I, that, that's interesting to think about though, because that's what I like to do right now with like the small local shows that I go to now. I try to get anybody from the show that I can onto my show because 
for one, it, it, it is helping them to an extent because if they're doing small shows, you know, it helps get their name out there also. Uh, but at the same time, like these are guys that have so much talent that like they could be the next big WWE superstar in, you know, three to five years, 10 years, whatever it is. And I'd love to be able to, you know, play some audio, play some video, whatever, 10 years from now of like, hey, check out where this guy came from. You know, like that's really cool. There's that. Also, you know, if somebody passes away, you've got, you know, audio files of talking. I mean, like, we interviewed Bobby Heenan twice in uh, 2002, 2003. When Bobby passed last year, we were able to put those files up. And it's like, dude, Bobby, even in, you know, post-cancer, you know, sounding like Mr. Ed swallowed his tongue type thing, Mm -hmm. you know, he was still an amazing, funnier hell. I mean, literally, the the, the very first thing we interviewed him, the first time we interviewed him, we were given this big old intro. Say his name. He goes. Well, I, I think we're gonna say Shivani when you're making a big old intro. And just, he just, he just goes on. And he, goes, <laughs> he, he goes. Wait a minute. Say the name again. We said Shivani, and he flushed his toilet. He was. He was. Bobby was so good and stuff like that. And I, I wish that people would, you know, see that. You know, that there's so much untapped talent out there that you know, if if somebody wants, you know, to be on your show or you get somebody on your show that you don't necessarily think is gonna be a big star or you know a big Oh yeah, man. I couldn't agree more. That, that's good advice for anyone listening to this show who who does something similar to what me and Jeff do. You know, like to go out there, put your name out there. Go out there, try to get some people. It doesn't matter who it is. Get 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 people on your show. Give them an outlet to speak, and it's gonna help you become a better interviewer too. Just getting the reps in. So yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you know, if, if you have one interview, you can. I mean, you know. You can develop a lifelong, you know, a, a lifelong friend. I mean, Rob Van Dam and I, you know, I interviewed him, you know, once, or so it's going to be once, back in 2005, and I talk on a regular basis now. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing what can happen with one phone call, one email, one text. Your whole your whole outlook can change on wrestling. Anyway, we're getting way off track. <laughs> well, that's what we let's, do, uh, Jeff. That's what we do here, man. <laughs> Hey, okay, well, hey, let's talk. You mentioned Rocky Romero a second ago. We'll jump right into what was officially the first match of the Wrestle Kingdom pay-per-view. Uh, Rocky Romero was the manager for Rapungi 3K, who was coming, who was coming into the, uh, coming into the match as the junior heavyweight champions, uh, junior heavyweight tag team champions, I should say. Um, uh, Rapungi 3K, of course, being an offshoot of the original Rapungi Vice team, which was Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Uh, they took on the Young Bucks, guys that I know you're very familiar with out there in California. I do indeed, yes, I am indeed. And uh, my predictions pre-match were the Young Bucks to defeat Rapungi 3K. I was correct there, and this match was was great. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on all these matches, of course, Jeff. But as far as, like, the Young Bucks go, not much more can be said other than, like, I think they're the best tag team in the world in any company right now. They're per- they're pushing massive merchandise numbers for somebody outside the WWE. They're really changing the game for a lot of people, doing great stuff. And my biggest takeaway from this match with Rapungi 3K, as crazy as it is, as random as it might sound, is show of Rapungi 3K looks like a major single star to me in the future. He looks a- He reminds me a lot of a young Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think they're going to be able to do a lot with with both Show and Joe. They're both very talented, but I think Show's got a single star written all over him. Uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this match and the Young Bucks uh, retain or regaining the championships for a third time? Sorry, a seventh time. Seventh time. I, no, I was thinking third time. You're the three time. I'm three time. Young Bucks seventh time. There it is. Seventh time. It's 
wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. I've noticed that people either love the Bucks and Kenny, or they hate the Bucks and Kenny. Just completely just love those three guys. I, I, a very a good friend of mine who I respect his opinion so much, and rest, I'm not going to give it now, I'm not going to bury him on the on the show here, but he cannot stand Matt, Nick, or Kenny. I go, wow. All right, I guess. I I saw the Young Bucks come up in Southern California early, early on. I mean, this is over 10 years ago. As a matter of fact, I think I mentioned this on the show here before with you. I managed a, a tag team of Teddy Hart and our champion Marcus Wright against the Young Bucks back in was it? it was December 2007? Maybe even November 2007? No, you never told me that, man. You know, Teddy Hart's my number... He's number one on my list of wrestlers I've never seen live that I want to see wrestle live. He's number one, Teddy Hart. Yeah, when, when, when I was working with Epic War in the fall of 2007 going into 2008, you know, winter 2008, I got to manage Teddy Hart in a tag match. His partner was our champion, like I said, Marcus Ryan. He still wrestles here in California. I believe his name is Jarrell Diaz now, I believe, or the vegan Superman, I think, is his, is his gimmick now. But uh, yeah, our opponents, their opponents that night were Matt and Nick early, early on in their career before they were even PWG Tag Team Champions, I believe. So it's it was one of the things where I I watched Matt and Nick, you know, go from you know Southern California stalwarts to like you said, the greatest tag team in the world right now. They're the best tag team in the world. They're one of the best tag teams of all time. I will stand by that that opinion until I go into the grave because they 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 are. All four of the guys in that match, definitely spot-heavy. No question about that. But you know what? Matt and Nick have found what works for them, and they exploit the shit out of it. Yep. Absolutely. And it works. I mean, you know, th- there's a reason that the Elite and the Bucks in particular are the highest-selling guys on Pro Wrestling right now. Because people want to have that brand on their, on their shirt, on their hat, on their jacket, on their pants. Because... The Bucks are great, and the fact that they are now seven-time junior heavyweight tag team champions in a company that you know, you know, for they're they're the most one of the most successful gaijins, the two most successful gaijins I think ever, and they're awesome. And I, I can't say it enough. The match itself was really really good. I like the fact that you know that the Bucks went over in the opening match of Wrestle Kingdom, and it kind of set the tone for the night. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent, man. It was good to see them get the belts back. Uh, you know, especially, you know, it's obvious that the, the New Japan is making big plays right now for a North American audience, and what better yep. tag team than the Young Bucks to be at the forefront of that, so. Yep, the, 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 the fact that the Young Bucks are the top tag team in New Japan, I, I'd say right now, and the fact that, you know, Kenny Omega's the U.S. heavyweight champion and won the belt here in Long Beach, down here in Long Beach, not too far from me, you know, it's, they're making a huge play for, um, for North America, and let me say for the record, I loved Loved, loved the fact that when Matt was doing his Young Bucks pose, he said hi to his wife, Dana, and told her he loved her. I thought that was so cool. That was. That was really cool. Said it right to the camera there in the middle of the ring. We love Dana. We love Dana, by the way. She, she's awesome. Very cool. So shout out to Dana from your friends over here at the Fight Talk Podcast. That's it. We love it. Uh, next up, we had a uh, a match for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships. Uh, Chaos, uh, the team of Beretta, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yano defeated the Bullet Club, Michael Elgin and War Machine, Suzuki Gun, and Taguchi Japan in a uh, basically a gauntlet style uh, six-man tag match. My uh, my prediction, uh, believe it or not, actually was chaos. I got this one right, mainly because 
I'm a I'm a massive fan of Tomohiro Ishii. Like I, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. The way that he sells moves, the way that he he dishes out, you know, really believable looking offense. Uh, you know, he's he's so much fun to watch. I believe he's actually the one you were just talking about who who Omega defeated in the finals for that U.S. Championship, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and the thing that was the match that was, uh, when Ishii was biting the top rope to avoid the, the, the suplex to the outside from the ring apron, like, like he's, he's so good. I love him. So I wish he was in a bigger spot on this show. I mentioned that many times on Twitter that I wish they were doing more with Ishii on this show. But that being said, uh, and I feel the same way about Beretta, by the way, I'm a really big Trent Beretta fan. Um, seeing chaos when this match was, was really cool for me. Um, it's interesting seeing Michael Elgin still teaming with War Machine over there in Japan. Uh, and those of you who don't know why, I guess, do your research. Uh, he's, he's a, involved in a bit of controversy right now through his, uh, what used to be his Glory Pro promotion out of the St. Louis area. Um, well, I think, I think they're trying to not acknowledge that so much in Japan. They're trying to just, you know, let, let, let the, Chips follow they may type thing, and if something happens to Michael, something happens to Michael. Well, right now he's, he's he's one of their big stars, so they're trying to make, you know, move forward. Oh, and I agree, and I, and I'm very sympathetic to the situation. I go to these Glory Pro shows every time they're run. I've had their new owners, Kevin Lee Davidson, uh, one of the new owners, Kevin Lee Davidson, now owns Glory Pro with uh, Danny Adams. But I've had KLD on my show multiple times, uh, not to address the situation directly, but to answer some questions about the future of the company and that. And I'm good friends with those guys over there at Glory Pro, and I wish them nothing but success. But what's interesting about the Michael Elgin situation with War Machine is Hanson and Rowe have publicly said during New Japan shows, I don't know if you've seen it, where they're looking at the camera and they say, fuck Michael Elgin, right to the camera. And like, oh, wow. yeah. Oh, and if you go watch some of their, their recent shows where they've teamed together, this was the first time since they've teamed that all of them pose together on the entrance ramp. Usually it's War Machine and Jeff Cobb if there's like a like a four-man match, a uh, four-man tag. Like War Machine and Jeff Cobb will pose together on the ramp and Michael Elgin will like awkwardly be off to the side. Like they try like not to include him because like they don't like him. So it's like this really weird dynamic they're rolling with over there. But that said, like the tag team of War Machine and Michael Elgin is is really entertaining. Like those guys are a perfect fit for each other. Um, so well, it's like yeah. Three, three big solid dudes. You know, it's 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 just one. Uh, like I say, you know, it's one of those things. That, you know, it just you, you, you almost you almost have to respect the fact that they're you know trying to not deal with the, the personal drama and they're just moving forward to be awesome. Sure, absolutely, and that's the last I'll talk about that. I just thought it was interesting that they were still doing that, and you know, it just is what it is. But Chaos got the win in this match. Um, some uh, another thing I want to note for uh, for like the maybe the newer audience of New Japan, uh, Zack Saber Jr. was in this match, who a lot of people may have discovered through the CWC uh, a couple years ago. Uh, also, Juice Robinson, who was uh, what was his name, C.J. Parker in uh, NXT. Yeah. Um, and Juice, since coming over to New Japan, has become a pretty big star over there. Like, the Japanese audience loves him. Uh, from what I hear, the women are, are obsessed with him over there. They love Juice. Uh, and he actually has gotten some really big wins over the last year. He kind of came up through their, kind of their Young Lion program over there. Kind of started over, um, when he got to Japan. And, and, and God bless him for doing it, because they just completely buried him in just completely just pushed him down with that big old triple H. I'm not saying Triple H did this himself, but that big old Triple H stuff. 
and just completely just buried him on his way out. Right, and he was he was one of those guys that like I considered to be the first real of the NXT uh, of the NXT WWE Network era. He was the first real jobber of NXT to me. Right, and what's funny is he was the first real homegrown talent that they came up through NXT that didn't really do anything. That's a great, really good point. Really good point. Uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this? He is. Well, and, and he's getting to show it in Japan. So, you know, yep, big yep. big props to Juice. What were your thoughts on this match and uh, Chaos getting the win, Jeff? Well, am I allowed to use the F word on this show? You can say whatever the fuck you want, man. Complete fuck <laughs> is what this was. Okay. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was madness the whole way through. I thought it was, it was an interesting match to watch. I never heard of the never, was it never, never open ways? Is that what it's called? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many titles. They're, they're, they have their their set of the IWGP Championships, and they have like a couple never open weight titles. Well, we'll talk about that as well with uh, Goto and Suzuki. There, that was a never championship as well. But was just brutal. but we're gonna talk about that. I love that yeah, match. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, this this is one of those things where I never heard of this title before. I didn't know it was a six man title, so I was like, oh, okay, it'll be interesting. And just it was it wasn't as barbaric as a singles match by any means, but. Uh, Cool. One another thing about New Japan for newer newer uh, viewers, newer listeners, um, they're very uh, stable oriented over there in New Japan, and yes. and I think that's a great thing. It's proven to work. I mean, even guys like Okada and Naito in the main event are leaders of their stables, and uh, of course, you know Omega and like everybody is is kind of a part of a group, and we're seeing WWE kind of going back to that. It looks like where they did it a lot in the 90s, and now we're seeing more and more of these, like, three-man and three-women uh, teams in the WWE. So, you know, the, the stable thing can really do really great business if done correctly, I think. Which is so funny, because we, we've been told over the years, many, many times, in print media and other things, that Mr. McMahon hates, 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 hates faction stable, all that stuff. So the fact that we're seeing more and more three-man and three-woman, you know, pairings, it's like, huh, I wonder if, I wonder if... Uh, the game's influence is more than we were realizing. I think so. And that's a, you know what? I'd like to have you on again sometime soon to talk about the, uh, the possible XFL and alpha entertainment stuff going on, because to me, that screams something for Vince to do while triple H kind of starts the takeover process. I would love to talk about that with anybody and any, everybody that will talk to me about it because Lord knows there's lots to talk about. Cool. We'll do that sometime soon, man. I, I'll put that down in my notes right now. We'll, we'll do that for sure. Um, up next, we had Kota Ibushi defeating Cody Rhodes, or just Cody, depending on where he's working. Um, so I was wrong in this prediction. I'm the biggest Cody fanboy on earth. I've known him since high school. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so biased towards Cody. It's unreal. So, of course, I picked him in this match. I never pick against him. You know, so sue me. If you hate it, don't listen, whatever. But Cody's my guy. Cody's my guy. I'm always going to go with Cody. And um, I'll say of this whole show, my move of the night was Cody hitting that crossroads onto Ibushi to the outside from the ring apron. I thought that that was amazing to see incredibly dangerous maybe not a good idea but it was really crazy to see um i thought this match was really good uh i thought it lost a little bit of steam with cody losing the ring of honor championship to dalton castle recently because 
I would have liked to see that title on the line uh, for a little added drama. Uh, but that said, I really enjoyed the match, and it was 15 minutes long. Uh, fourth match of the show, you can't really ask any mu much more from it being, you know, pretty much on the first half of the card. Um, and Ibushi is a well-known guy that, you know, his biggest criticism from fans is that he he just, he's, I don't know what the best way of putting it, but he, he's so weird. Like, he loves doing, like, these DDT shows where he wrestles inanimate objects, like, like blow-up dolls or, or children or, like, whatever, which is cool because, like, he likes to be creative. He likes to be outside the box. I give anybody props for doing their own thing the way that they want to do it. I, I love individuality. But if Ibushi would just, like, take it seriously and either stay in New Japan or stay in the WWE or stay, stay somewhere and really work hard towards being a main event guy, the sky's the limit for Ibushi in any company. So, you know, there's really so much more they could be doing with him, but I think he's holding himself back with his own, uh, his own, I guess you'd say, uh, career decisions. Um, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this match between Ibushi and Cody and uh, kind of your thoughts on the two of them in general? I think the fact that Ibushi's head is still attached to his shoulders is a freaking miracle. We have. After that crossroads. Because, <laughs> my goodness, was that amazing to see. You know, not live in person, but live as it happened on, uh, on New Japan World. Just, just, Cody gave a crossroads to a man to the outside of the ring. The guy hit his head on, uh, on, the, on the floor, and he's still alive. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, yeah, there's a little bit of pad there, and that's fine. But you can't do a crossroads on, on top of some guy's head and not have him be, like, dead or in a coma right now. The fact that Ibushi is still walking and finish the match is just unbelievable. Um, I like Kota Ibushi. I liked watching him in the Cruiserweight Classic. I liked, you know, the fact that he made it so far. I love the fact that I think he put TJ over, right? Uh, I believe so because uh, Metallic and Zack Sabre Jr., I think, was the right. other, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. It's, so just him, him and TJ had an amazing semifinal match too. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on Kota Ibushi in that, you know, he's – He's very, very good at being very, very um, non-committal to his career, it seems like to me. And I'm not faulting people at DDT because people like Joey Ryan are making their career doing the Joey Ryan stuff. And it's, 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 just fun. it's, it's funny and entertaining to watch. But Kota Bushi and a lot of those guys that wrestle DDT are so much better technically, technically-wise, technicality-wise than they are letting be shown, I guess. And you know what? That is totally intelligent. I'll tell you why. Because they're not risking their bodies every single night like, you know, Okada and Omega and Naito and all those guys are. They're not, you know, beating themselves up. They're doing funny stuff to prolong their careers and their lives. So the fact that Ibushi can take a bump like he took from Cody with the Crossroads once in a while and still, you know, do the goofy stuff with DDT or whatever is, I think, a credit to his uh, his brilliance more than his own shortcomings. I think that's actually pretty smart of him to do that. I will say, though, that if he does commit to one company or another and gets in the serious mode, he could be one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Cody, Cody, I agree with you in the fact that you said it could have been a Ring of Honor title match and it would have had more momentum, but people seem to like Dalton Castle. I don't get the Dalton Castle thing. I never have I don't think I ever will, but I people seem to enjoy the fact that he beat Cody for the title. So whatever works, I, I don't book Ring of Honor, so not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, I am so happy for Cody Rose that he is smiling in the business now, 
is happy with what he's doing. He's in Ring of Honor. He's in Japan. He is having fun again. Yeah. And he's not stifled by WWE's lack of direction for him. So I think it's awesome. Hell of a match. Great, you know, middle of a card. You know, could have been higher up in the card, I think, match. And probably would have gone longer if it was. But for 15 minutes, pretty damn good. Oh, yeah, man. And Abushi with, like, that ending sequence where uh, he's got Cody laid out and he does, like, some really cool knee strikes. A really basic idea. You know, you grab grab the dude by both of his hands while he's on his knees and you pull him towards your knee and knee him right in the face. I mean, it's, it's, it's simple, but it looks devastating. And then the Phoenix Splash is just, he does it better than anybody. Can I just say, uh, completely on topic, but kind of off, off the, the flow of the show here, the knee strikes... Yeah. This company, oh my, like, like I know they're they're kind of pulling their punch, so to speak. But my goodness, the sounds and the visuals. I I was literally cringing the entire show until I passed out. I was just like, God, how can they even, you know, ah, <laughs> they can be standing after those matches. Yeah, man, Code is so good that I was talking to a, a dude out here. He is a. I don't know where he resides. It's somewhere here in the southeast. Uh, it's a guy named AJ Gray. He's a he's an independent pro wrestler. Does a lot of work for uh, like the Scenic City Invitational out of Chattanooga. Uh, does shows here in Nashville uh, for Southern Underground Pro. Uh, he travels all over the place, uh, over on this side of the this side of the country. He's a he's kind of a bigger guy, like more of a heavy set guy. But his finish is the uh, Phoenix Splash. And, you know, and I was going, and, and what's even more impressive about how he does it. Now, he's not like a Keith Lee size guy. He's probably, you know, more like my height, like probably around six feet tall, but just a little heavier built. And his Phoenix Splash, he actually asks his opponents to go like three quarters of the way across the ring. He tries to go long distance with it. And I was going back and forth with him on Twitter after this Abushi match, and he was like putting himself down. He was like, "Man, no matter what I do, it'll never look that nice. It'll ne- it'll never <laughs> look that good." You know, and I was <laughs> thought it was funny. Koda, Koda is when, when he's on, he's in a class by himself. Yeah, it's unreal, man. Uh, the next the next match, I you know this was an interesting one. You know, this this was for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. We had uh, the Killer Elite Squad who. Most uh, American fans would know as Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer. Uh, Lance Archer at one point was Lance Hoyt in TNA and Vance Archer in W. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, uh, they, you know, call themselves the Killer League Squad, KES. Uh, They faced or defended their championships, I should say, against the LIJ. I always have such a hard time pronouncing Los Incogrenables de Japón. I I think I got it right. (laughs) Um, <laughs> um, the team of Evil and Sonata. Um, I did pick the LIJ to win this one, and the story of this match, in in my estimation, was the KES were just beating the shit out of the LIJ, and then Sonata had a really really great comeback for the team. Evil as well. Um, and what's cool, you know, the name Evil, I'll never like that. I'll never like it. Just sounds so corny to me. Like you got a guy called right. Evil who's gimmick is being evil and looking like a grim reaper but it's japan it is what it is his entrance is cool man people mark out for the entrance uh sonata i remember from tna years ago he was another one of those guys who like similar to okada went over to tna they didn't know what the hell to do with him and then he went back to japan and now he's doing great again um i thought this i think the big the big uh takeaway for me from this match is 
2018 will be the year that they finally push Sonata towards the main event, I think. Because I think he's got everything that they look for, and I think he's making the right crowd reactions. I, he, they, they've kind of stop-started his push many times throughout the years, and I think they're going to go with him finally, uh, especially because of the uh, the outcome of the main event that we'll get to later. Uh, but anyway, I thought it was a good match that served its purpose. My main criticism, though... I don't think that New Japan needs two sets of tag team titles. I, I think the titles that the Young Bucks carry are, I know they're meant for the lighter weights, but I think the Young Bucks should be in, you know, the, the quote-unquote heavyweight tag team division, and, and these titles should be the ones that really matter the most. I, I don't see the need for two separate divisions in their tag team world, but that's just me. Um, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this match? Uh, seeing guys like Davey Boy Jr. and Lance Archer again, and uh, guys like you know Evil and Sonata in this match. Well, you know, God bless you know Davey Boy Smith Jr. and, and you know uh, Lance Archer. The fact that you know both those guys had you know mild success here in North America, more so Davey Boy than, uh, than Lance Archer. But uh, I- I'm wondering when Harry Smith got his haircut like a glow. That's what I'm wondering throughout the whole match. Right. Uh, just kind of like, whoa, okay. Um, Great match. I, I love the fact that all four of these guys worked their asses off. To, I mean, you know, the thing is, to quote Jeff Beecham, here's the thing. Uh, every match got better and better. And there's like, we're not, and that's what a wrestling card should do. And this match was not the most technically sound match. Like you said, uh, Archer and Smith beat the crap out of Evil and Sonata. But it was it was a great match to watch. It told a good story. I agree with you on Sonata. He, he, I, I watched a full Japan show one time, but I liked when I saw it. Sonata, he he could be a guy that I would get invested in very very quickly. Well, there you go. You heard it right there from Jeff Meacham. Became a Sonata fan in this process, and and that's the thing that that kind of proves the point of like. You know, if you can see a guy like Sonata, a, a wrestling fan like yourself who's been watching so long and can make a connection quickly with somebody like that, like that's what this show is all about as far as the American and you know just the North American audience in general. Like, it, it's it's working if guys like Sonata are resonating with fans like yourself. So that's awesome. Right. Yep. Um, the next match I thought was fucking incredible. I loved loved this match. Um, we had Hiroki Goto defeating Minoru Suzuki. In a hair versus hair match uh, for the never weight open, the never open weight championship, uh, the match went 18 minutes long. Um, Minoru Suzuki is uh, is a let an absolute. I you know I'll I'll plug myself real quick. This hasn't published, but I recently uh, uh, actually as of earlier today, I'm now affiliated with uh, Daily DDT through Fansided.com, and I'm going to be writing articles for them. Uh, my first one being. Uh, I, I did a piece, it hasn't been published yet, but it's called The Three Biggest Winners from New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 12 That Lost Their Matches. And the idea of it being, you know, like a guy like Suzuki, like he lost the match, but coming out of that match, and I call him, I call him an, an international treasure during this piece that I write about. He's this legend in MMA and pro wrestling. And he's so believable. Like when you're watching a guy like him, it makes even fans like myself go, "Does he know he's in pro wrestling right now, or does he think he's in an MMA fight?" Or like this guy seems like he's absolutely out of his mind, and it's it's in the best way possible. And this match with Goto was so cool because my Twitter timeline was blowing up during this match. Like, cause th- this match didn't have really high expectations. I've seen these two guys wrestle each other many times in the past 
And it's never a bad match. It's just something that I was kind of like, well, I mean, it's just another Goto versus Suzuki match. But man, everybody, when I was watching this, were just loving it. They're just talking about how amazing Suzuki is and how great Goto can still go. And I just really, really enjoyed this. The funniest thing to me was listening to Don Callis on the English commentary. Just, <laughs> just he was so disappointed in Suzuki. Like he had the match won multiple times with that rear naked choke. And he just couldn't help himself. He had to go to the God style pile driver every time. And it eventually cost him. Um, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this match between Goto and Suzuki? Because it was brutal. It was something I absolutely loved. But from maybe kind of a, a new fan perspective, what did you think about a match like this? See, I'm going to be the guy that pisses in the Kool-Aid here. I, I was not into it. Really? I, wow. I, I wasn't. And, and I, I don't know if it's just that I don't know the guys. I don't know if it's just I I guess I'm not as invested in the match as people that are long-time fans in Japan because I just, it's like I said, the fact that Suzuki kept going for the same move, I was like, why is he doing this? Right. And that, that part gets annoying. Right. Sure. Yeah. And it's like, he, he had the match wrapped up at least five or six times. And it's just like, dude, End the match, and I I guess it told the story in the fact that he earned his respect back by shaving his own head. So I guess it, I guess he earned respect from people back in defeat. And like you said, he was a big winner in defeat. But I just I, I I found myself looking at my phone more than my TV screen during this match. Okay, well hey, that's interesting, and that's why we like getting different perspectives on this show, man, because. You, you never know, like, with, and that's the, that was the big thing with Suzuki, and, and him uh, shaving his own head at the end of the match, I thought was brilliant, because Suzuki's character, just a little background, I mean, he's, he's had, God, I couldn't even tell you how many MMA fights, probably 40 or 50 MMA fights, and he's been wrestling forever in Japan, and he's just one of these dudes who, like, like, his character is, like, the best way I could put it is, he, he doesn't give a fuck about anything. Like, he's, like, this dude who's just, like, is out there to kill you, doesn't care about your feelings, doesn't care about your family's feelings, doesn't care about anything but himself, and he's out there to win and kick your ass and has no remorse over over how he does it. Um, So the way that he did the honorable thing and went in there, sat down in the chair himself and shaved his own head is really, it's a cool dynamic because now he's pushing the gray area of, of transitioning into a baby face, and the fans want to cheer him. So I think I think it's gonna do really good things for him. Um, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Goto. Like I I like him for what he is. He's just kind of underwhelming to me. Um, so I would have liked to see Suzuki win the match. Uh, but that said, for a guy like Suzuki, I'm gonna look at his Wikipedia right now and see how old he is. He's 49 years old. I mean, man, to do that at 49 it impresses me. So the, the, the fact that both these guys are not the youngest guys on the roster is impressive in that respect. But I just Maybe just that the rest of the card was so good. It was like, eh, okay. Sure. Well, and hey, we'll talk about the next match because it's the exact opposite. What you want to talk about uh, the opposite of, of old wrestlers. Let's talk about youth in the future of pro wrestling in this next match. We had a four-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, went 21 minutes long. Uh, Will Ospreay won the championship, defeating Marty Skrull, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida. Uh, Skrull of the Bullet Club. Uh, he's also part of the the Elite videos on YouTube. He was the oh champion. God, yes. <laughs> he was the champion coming into the match. I love Skrull because you know I'm I'm of the same age group of like you know I grew up on you know the Backstreet Boys and InSync and these pop stars that 
he likes to um, emulate in the being the elite videos and stuff. And it's it's just it's just funny. It's all good fun. Uh, this match was great. Uh, Osprey got the win, and Osprey is just one of those dudes, man. Like he's like 23, 24 years old, and he hasn't even scratched the surface on his potential, in my opinion. If he can stay healthy, he's gonna be just the biggest thing. And uh, I said, you know, when I wrote my article about the three biggest winners that lost their matches that night, uh, Hiromu Takahashi was on that list because he's one of those guys that um, I want to, you know what, I want, I'm going to get your opinion on, on this match and these people because, like, what do you think about a guy like Hiromu Takahashi being a newer fan, a guy who, who has a really unique look, obviously gets a big crowd reaction, but he's weird. He carries around Daryl, the, the plush cat doll, and, you know, what do you think about these guys and what do you think about this match? Well, you know, for, for every for every you know unbelievable technical guy that you've got in the ring, you've got a guy like Perry Saturn who carries on the freaking mob and talks to it. So yeah, it's, it's it's you know you've got Takahashi who carries a you know a stuffed doll, and he still does amazing things in the ring. I like him a lot. I like I like this match a lot. Spoiler alert: I had never seen Will Osprey wrestle a match until the other day. That wait, oh wow, wow, okay, that's amazing. I did not know that, and that is freaking amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, literally, they had the entire arena clapping along. I've been ringside going, what is happening? Oh, that's so awesome. I gotta find. Why? Oh, I gotta find video of that. It's one of those things where it's just like, I mean, you're in the arena, and they're coming out, and I mean, every PWG is just clapping along. It's Oh, that's anyway, amazing. Um, great, great. I, you know, I said this on your show and on my shows. I do not like threats. I don't like four ways. I don't like any of those multiple participant matches. I like singles. I like tag It's really about, uh, it's really where my, where my dynamic lies. But I love the dynamic and the story of this match. And, you know, they mentioned Will Ospreay and, you know, had, Marty had Will's number all these years, and the fact that Will finally got the big win over Marty is so cool because now we're going to see where Will Ospreay goes as junior heavyweight champion going forward. I, I think it's a wonderful story, and I cannot wait to see what happens next with these four guys. I couldn't agree more, man. And all four of these guys have super bright futures in the company. Uh, Kishida is a multiple-time junior heavyweight champion who yep. they really pushed big in 2017 uh, winning – what tournament was that? Oh, the Super Juniors. Um, yeah, I mean, that was actually over Will Ospreay, I believe, in the finals. Um, so, you know, Kishida's, you know, got big things coming. Talk, I think, in my opinion, this was the, the time to give Takahashi uh, the championship. I thought that uh, he was the most over with the crowd, and he's the one that I saw most people on Twitter complaining about not winning. Uh, but that said, you no one can be mad about Will Ospreay getting a win because like there's so much you can do with that kid, and he can work with anybody in the world in any company. So it is what it is, and I thought the match was fantastic. Um, and well, go, you, you know, know it's, it's it's funny, you know, 
know, for everybody that wants to complain about the fact that, you know, the junior heavyweights, the cruiserweights, whatever you want to call them, are not pushed properly in WWE, 999, or whatever it is, 999 yen, New Japan World, and you saw two great junior heavyweight matches on Wrestle Kingdom. One tag team, one single. And I'd put those two matches up against anything on 205 Live the last two years. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything, and I'm not... You know, I'm I'm not the biggest on 205 Live. You know, I'm just one of those guys that like I, I love all the talent involved, but the book the booking of the show just hasn't been what I want. I mean, you can even see guys like Zack Saber Jr. and Kota Ibushi had the had the foresight to probably kind of see where that was headed and said, "No, I'm good staying where I'm at." You know, like exactly. Um, but I I think I don't think there's anything that 205 Live has ever done that touches this four way match. I think this is better than anything that I've seen there. And what's funny is for, for everything that WWE did for the division in the early part of the division, like 96 and 97, this stuff now, I, I've been bitched off going, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wish you had you these know, guys. Yeah. Well, you know what? Bischoff's still alive, and he's still involved in wrestling. Like you never know. Imagine if he showed up as like just like an advisor to to one of these companies and, and had some of the, this talent. What what might happen? You never know. I mean, crazier things have happened. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, the yeah, that's hilarious. The uh, the next <laughs> the uh, the next match. Moving on, we had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, retaining his IWGP Intercontinental Championship uh, against Jay White. I picked Tanahashi in this one. I was correct there. The uh, this match honestly didn't do a whole lot for me. I, I thought it was a good match. Don't get me wrong, especially by like you know typical WWE standards of matches. Like this was a very good match. That like had this match happened in WWE, it would have been one of the best matches that that they've had in, in in quite a while. Like this is a this was a really good match. But to me, the Jay White thing as the switchblade, it it doesn't work quite as I think that they were hoping. Uh, the crowd isn't quite into it like I think they were expecting and Tanahashi for for kind of newer uh viewers and newer listeners and all that stuff Tanahashi is really like the the ace of New Japan he's really the kind of the Hulk Hogan John Cena type guy of New Japan who has headlined a bunch of these Wrestle Kingdom shows or the January 4th shows he's he's really like he's just recently kind of taken the step down that John Cena has kind of recently taken over the last couple of years of you know being more involved with like the US championship or putting over younger stars and and kind of taking a back seat to the main event but also helping out that's kind of where Tanahashi sits right now in the in the world of New Japan and I thought it was the right move with him winning the match itself just didn't do a whole lot for me and I don't know where they go with Jay White from here uh, Jeff, being a newer fan of New Japan, maybe not having as much knowledge of a guy like Tanahashi, uh, what were your thoughts on this match and Tanahashi retaining the championship? Well, you know, I can, I can be something a little snarky and say, well, this is a match where I fell asleep, so that tells the story that really does. I was just so fucking exhausted by that. Um, not from the day, just from the, the, the awesomeness of the matches all throughout the show. So the fact that I woke back up at 8 o'clock in the morning, rewatched this match, reinforce the fact that, you know, these two guys are awesome. It wasn't the match of the night like it could have been, but they told a, a, a different story than the other matches. 
I am not a fan of the Jay White thing. I didn't, I didn't, being a first time viewer, I didn't understand it. So maybe that's just one of ignorance. I don't know. But um, it, it, it didn't appeal to me very much. The match in general or the, uh, the, the Jay White thing in general. It was a good match, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, a very well told story, I thought. It makes any sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. And you're not alone on that. I saw a lot of people with those same sentiments. It's funny you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's funny you mentioned, like, being so tired because of, uh, like, the, the how great all these other matches were. It's like, it'd be like having sex ten times in a row watching this show. After every match, after every match. It's like, it's like the opposite of that old Raven analogy where he's like, man, when you want to build a good match, it's like jerking off. You're jerking, and it's slow, and it's steady, and it's slow, then you stop. And then it's slow, and then eventually the match happens, and boom, that's the end of it. You you ejaculate that, and it's huge. This is like that happening ten times in a row, and you having to get it back up before every single match. So yeah, it's it, 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 it's very much like a marathon of that where you have to just you, you have to break your front away. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I love you, and I want to go again, but Jesus Christ, I'm spent. So, uh. I, Yeah. Hey, this is all this is all the thoughts and from the mind of Steven Jensen and solely Steven Jensen. Um as a as a single as a single dude with no children and no responsibility towards anybody else's uh anybody else's thoughts and, and feelings. That that's me. Um <laughs> but that uh that being said, uh that that's how it felt to me too, because after every one of these matches, like I was pumped, but I'm 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 like you, man. I'm sitting there going all right, here comes uh, Omega Jericho, and I know this is going at least a half hour. And then, like when that's over, here's the main event. I know this is going at least a half hour, so it's it is like a marathon. Uh, and we'll talk, we'll go right into it, man. Omega Jericho was up next, and uh, this was the match that really brought in the masses. Uh, this was, you know, Chris Jericho. Uh, he's my favorite pro wrestler of all time. I, I've I've said it a lot. I, I got attached to Chris Jericho back the first time I ever saw him on WCW Saturday night uh, back in God knows how long ago, 1996 or whatever it was, 1995, whenever. Uh, and when he was Lionheart Chris Jericho, he'd come out, he'd he'd go lay his, his arms and back, you know, against the, the barricade and the fans would pat him and, you know, give him high fives and stuff. I always thought he was so cool. And then when he came to WWE, Still my favorite debut in history, in wrestling history, was him coming out, you know, 1999, The Rock in Chicago. Everyone knows about that. Hadn't done anything outside the WWE wrestling-wise since 1999. So for him to come over here and wrestle Kenny Omega in Japan for the IWGP uh, United States Championship in an ODQ match, this was so massive to me. And I know it was massive to everybody else because, from what I understand, there was a massive spike in New Japan subscriptions. Uh, they wound up doing like 35,000 people in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, this was humongous. Uh, and this match delivered. I think this was the best match of the night personally. Um, and my God was a good Kenny Omega retained, retained his championship, of course, against Chris Jericho. I actually chose Jericho to win, uh, just as kind of like, uh, as kind of the Jericho thing to do. I feel like is like, you always think it's going to go one way and then he, he works all the fans. So I, I, I thought Jericho might get the win. And during the match, I didn't know where it was going. But this match was awesome. Uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts on Omega versus Jericho? Unbelievable. The whole thing. It was just 
climax of the night or it was going to be a complete dud. <laughs> right. Right, there you go. It was either going to be the best thing you've ever seen or it was going to be the worst time you've ever had in your life. And it, it delivered. It, it, it wasn't the most technically sound match overall, but it told an unbelievable story, like I said before, about the other matches. And it was it was beautiful in its brutality. It just it just was so good, and it's exactly like what you expect from Kenny Omega, who's been arguably the biggest, the, the best wrestler in the last you know eighteen months or something, even longer than that now. And Jericho, at however old he is, he's been in this twenty seven years. Forty seven years old. Forty seven years old. Forty seven. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been in this business longer than you know most of us have been alive, type thing. You know, and so good and he's still one of the best wrestlers on this planet and he showed that um tuesday night wednesday morning yeah man excuse me me, wednesday thursday morning right right yeah this match was nuts man this they did everything jericho had all his stuff uh he was actually the third person i put on that list of three people who look even better coming off the loss i mean chris jericho is chris jericho we all know he's he can do whatever he wants but like yeah, I think his stock has never been higher. Like, now he, he, I mean, imagine if he stuck around New Japan for just a little while and worked with some more of these guys, what it would do for this company. Yep. And, you know, to quote Jeff Meacham, here's the thing. If he were to go back right now and be in the Royal Rumble in a couple weeks, it would kill his momentum completely. Totally and completely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I don't really know what else there really is to say about this match other than like people need to go watch it because I mean, I guess spoiler alert, I'll talk a little bit about some of this stuff, but like, I mean, Jericho did everything. He hit, he hit his code breaker. He hit walls of Jericho. He hit the springboard, uh, drop kick to Omega's knee while he was springboarding, which was brilliant. Uh, he hit the lion salt. I marked out for that walls or that, uh, lion tamer. I marked out when he, Oh, I loved it, man. It was pretty. It was pretty. Yep. Loved it. And Omega hit all his stuff, all of his, like you alluded to earlier, those devastating knee strikes that just look like there's no way they could be worked shots. I mean, it just, they're so good at what they do. Both these guys being from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and Cyrus, uh, Don Callis also being from there, calling the match. Yep. Everything was just perfect, man. And And this was exactly what I think New Japan needed from the two of these guys, given the uh, the hype and the buildup for this and all the new eyes, the new audience, I think this was done brilliantly and was perfect. And you know what? It's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those situations where, much like JBL was the commentator, he would favor the heels. JBL would more often than not. But when it came to a, a pair of guys, he respected both of them, he'd be neutral. It's like what Don Callis did. He was totally neutral in this match because he's good, good friends with Jericho. He respects the hell out of Kenny Omega. So for him to be, him and Kevin to be totally neutral, I think helped the story along English commentary wise. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, man. Like, and that's another cool thing. I mean, you mentioned it. I've talked about, like, the commentary and stuff a little bit on this show, too. Like, they give you the option. Like, you can either listen to, on these big shows, you can listen to English commentary, or if you're still a fan of just hearing, you know, if you don't speak Japanese, but you love hearing just the guys going crazy on commentary, just yelling <laughs> Japanese. Exactly. Like if that's for you, you got that option too. Uh, well, so <laughs> that is one perk of the WWE network in that they have how many languages at ringside now? Oh geez. Everybody. That, that's really cool. They do 
understand that. And WWE has pretty much most languages that people speak that, that are in the civilized part of the parts of the world that are at ringside or up there in the commentary tables doing their thing. I think that's so cool in WWE's part to have a versatility. Whereas New Japan, they realize, especially the other night, there would be a lot of people who speak English watching that show. So they needed to make sure they had English commentary for sure that night. If not, in general, which they do now, which is good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you want to add about Omega Jericho before we go to the main event? Just, I, I need to give the major props to Chris Jericho as a showman, as a promoter, as a businessman, because I, I, I will say it. I'll say I said it before. I'll say it again. Were it not for Chris Jericho being in the Tokyo Dome on January fourth, I probably wouldn't have lost this show. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, in that, in that, I think obviously you're not alone on that. I even had buddies who barely follow professional wrestling. I mean, they really only follow it because they know I'm obsessed with it, and they're kind of just—it's kind of like I am with like college football. I don't give a shit about college football, but like, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. But like, all my buddies are Georgia fans because I'm from Atlanta, so like. You know, they're doing good. They're going to be in the national championship. So I keep my eye on it a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, the same kind of thing with this show. I had friends of mine texting me at like 7, 8 in the morning going, hey, is there a link to that Chris Jericho match? And it's like, okay, cool. You're not even really a wrestling fan, but you want to go out of your way to watch Japanese pro wrestling because I, not just me, I mean, there's there's buzz from all over the place about this thing. So, I mean, that's, that's exact. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's perfect promotion. I mean, New Japan and Chris Jericho and everybody involved got the got a, the casual WWE audience to care about this show, and that's they amazing. Got the casual non WWE audience, like you said, your friends who don't watch wrestling wanted to see this match. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, that's that's amazing, absolutely amazing. My hats off to Omega and Jericho. I mean, just brilliant stuff. Can't can't say enough good things. And that match went about thirty five minutes long, so just. Think about that. Chris Jericho, 47 years old, been in the wrestling business, like you said, Jeff, uh, longer than a lot of... 27 years. 27 years. Chris Jericho actually debuted right around the same time I started watching, so there you go. You know, I have a little bit of a kinship there. That's amazing. So, yeah, once again, if if somehow you haven't seen this match yet, uh, listen to the end of this podcast, then go pop it on. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. Finish this first, then go back and watch it. Yes, I'm not going to be one of those jabronis that, that pigeonholes himself and goes, if you haven't seen this match, go and pause, pause it right now and jump over. No, no, listen to the rest of the show, and then and then go ahead and jump on. Um, Although, we understand if you want to wait a few minutes and then watch that match. We totally understand that, because it is a fucking amazing match. Yes, absolutely. Um, main event time, man. We had, a, yes. we had Okada retain his championship with Gato in his corner, like always. Over Tetsuya Naito, uh, Okada, um, of course, affiliated with the Chaos Stable, Naito, the leader of the LIJ. Uh, this match went uh, between 36, 37 minutes. Uh, I mean, just phenomenal stuff. I, I, I don't think, and this isn't a ran on anyone's parade, I don't think it was as good as Omega, Omega Jericho. I think that that was the match of the night. But had Omega Jericho not been on the show, it'd be hard to deny Okada and Naito. I mean, this this match was... Very, very good. Uh, the the only thing that hurts this match, in my opinion, the only thing is that it wasn't as good as any of the Okada and Omega matches, in my opinion. Right. Yep. And that's not... It's unfair to, 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 to 
judge based on that. But I know that there was a lot of fans that used that as as the benchmark of like, like Okada versus Naito has to be as good or better than Okada Omega. And then when it wasn't, it was like, well, is Okada as good as what we think? Or is, is Naito as good as what we think? Or is it is Omega just really that much better than everybody else? Or It raises those kind of questions where I just kind of sit back and go, this was a fucking great match between two amazing wrestlers that just neither or Kenny Omega. And, and Omega had just had the best match of the night against Chris Jericho, one of the best of all time. So, I mean, it given the circumstances, they really did really the best they could and had a really good match with Okada retaining the belt, which a lot of people didn't expect. Um, so, you know, Okada leaves this show as the champion still, and his absolutely legendary title reign is continuing, which, you know, and from one sense, it sucks that Naito didn't get it because I think this was the right time to make the change. But when somebody does eventually beat Okada, it's going to mean that much more with this victory also being a part of his title reign. Uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts on this main event, man? I, I pretty much took words out of my mouth. It, it, it was not the match of the night, but on a night where Omega Jericho is not there, it's the match of the year. It, it, really, it was an amazing match, and it, it, was, it was not, I will say, it was not as good as any of the Omega uh, Okada matches last year. And he, he, you're, very, you're very much correct in that it was a very, it's, it's an unfair world we live in because... Omega and Okada broke the Meltzer scale, completely obliterated that thing in all three of their matches last year. So the fact that any Okada match has to live up to that, the fact that the Omega match has to live up to that, is a very daunting task to live up to. Now, I've not seen any Meltzer scores for the night. I don't know when he rated these matches, so if he ever put them out there at all, I don't know. But both of these main event matches, and, they, and let's be clear, they were both main event caliber matches question about that um i think okada and naito delivered as best they could having to be the jericho triple h to the holy rock yeah that was actually the exact comparison i would have made right there um you know the in hindsight jericho omega should have went on last but yep. hindsight's 2020 or whatever the fucking saying is you know it, it's it's the, right, absolutely correct yep. you know and 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 to be fair okada is the longest reigning IWGP heavyweight champion in history. He's he's had, like you said, matches that have broken the Meltzer scale. Like he's now in the the six star plus territory on some of his matches with Omega. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, you know, um, uh, I, I, Kevin Kelly, I think even said that you know the matches the other night were you know the over under on the matches the, the under was five stars because. That's how good Okada is. That's how good Omega is. Yeah, on the ga- on the gambling to, sites, to, right? Yeah, yeah. They have to live up to, you know, five star every single night, or they're like, well, what happened? Why weren't you five stars? Exactly, and and that's like like we've both said. It's just unfair, you know. Like, because here's the thing, and in a couple things with this. For one, Naito, like. I'm sure you know the story by now, but he was snubbed four years ago. He won the G1 Climax. He was supposed to wrestle Okada for the championship in the main event of the night. And New Japan opted to go with Nakamura versus Tanahashi for the IC belt as the main event instead because Naito, they didn't think Naito was over enough. So they chose. And so this was like a redemption chance for Naito getting his big Wrestle Kingdom main event. And 
honestly, how would you, how would like WWE fans feel, for instance, if like, let's say Brock Lesnar was wrestling, we'll just say Dean Ambrose, because that was a match that wasn't very good, right? By most people's standards. Let's say that that match was on the same show as Roman Reigns defending the Intercontinental Championship against, I'll just pick, I don't know, we'll say he wrestles AJ Styles. I know they're on different brands, but we'll just say for the sake of argument. Like, okay, that match might on paper look better. Like, like Reigns versus AJ Styles might look way better on paper than Ambrose versus... Lesnar, but who's going on last? The U the the Universal Championship, the the Lesnar versus Ambrose match is going on last, and they're gonna hope that it can it can be as good or better than Reigns versus AJ. But but in hindsight, if you watch those two matches back to back, ninety nine times out of a hundred, the the Reigns AJ match is gonna be better. So it's just a matter of like, you know, which championship means the most it should be the heavyweight championship and the heavyweight champion should go on last in my opinion so i think this was the right call booking wise it's just until the matches play out and you see the two matches back to back there's no way of really knowing like that jericho omega is going to be the better of the two matches there's just no way no right and, and you know what and like i was trying to say you know you, Absolutely. Hey, Jeff, you got any final thoughts on New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 12 before we get out of here, man? I appreciate your time, like always. I, I, I love being on this show. I, I, I would love to be a permanent, you know, correspondent of this show if you would allow me. I, I love being on with you. Um, I, I am a fan of New Japan, and I was a casual fan going into Wrestle Kingdom. I now want to literally go into my, my, uh, my, uh, bill, my bill book and cancel my loose. Well, there you go, and I, and it's a good investment. Although Hulu is pretty great too. I just made the switch uh, completely off topic. I just made the switch from Netflix to Hulu because Netflix lost its Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so I jumped oh, over. No. Yeah, so I jumped over to Hulu because they got all the episodes. I will. I will be a total geek sci-fi nerd here for a minute and fully admit that I only got Hulu because my son and I wanted to watch Buffy and Angel. Oh wow! Okay, there you go. And the fact that I've seen the episodes now, I don't give a shit anymore. So I can, you know, cancel my whatever it is, eight dollars, nine dollars for Hulu, and put that towards Japan. Well, there you go. I think that's a smart investment. It is for me. I think. <laughs> cool. Hey Jeff. Well, thanks again for being on the show, man. Uh, go ahead and plug anything you got real quick before uh, before I forget. You know, any anything going on over with you or No DQ or anything you want to let the uh, the fans know about? Well, as the shirt says um, on my on my chest here, No DQ. Com for your latest wrestling news information, and uh, of course the DQ YouTube channel at AirRefNoDQ. You can see uh, the wrestling trivia challenges every week, hosted by Greg Cherry, starring hopefully for a while Jeff Meacham as the champion. Uh, there's actually a match went up. Uh, if you're listening on Friday, it went up today. Uh, the first episode of season three is up now, where I face uh, David in the rematch, uh, the rubber match, if you will, between the two of us for the trivia championship. So that's up there now. Uh, the NoDQ panel is always open for people that want to come on. We always have a fourth uh, mystery special guest. So if you'd like to be on 
the NoDQ panel with us. You can email Aaron Rift at NoDQ, that's it, it's NoDQ, M-I-S-C, NoDQ Miscellaneous, at gmail.com. You can also send an email to be on the trivia challenge with me and Craig Cherry. So that's my plugs, NoDQ.com, and of course, talk wrestling in theory, hopefully in practice. We'll be back next week, and I'll do a full, a full, uh, Thoughts on talk wrestling, uh, going about uh, talking about Wrestle Kingdom and going to the Royal Rumble. Well, there you have it. That's Jeff Meacham, everyone from NoDQ.com fame, the reigning. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen the new episode, but as as far as my knowledge is concerned, the reigning, defending, undisputed NoDQ.com wrestling trivia challenge champion. Uh, once again, stopping here on the Fight Talk podcast. Thanks again for coming on, Jeff. Thank you. We'll see you next time, sir. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast. And if you haven't already, please hit the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. Please give me a five-star rating, like Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would say. I'm a five-star man. Give me a five-star rating and please leave a review. It really helps the podcast out a lot uh, just to do that. It takes like five seconds. And if you do that and just show me that you did it, I'll give you something free from my sponsors that I'll mention at the end of the show. So pretty cool. Free stuff from one of my sponsors. I don't know what it'll be until you do it, but I'll give you something for free from one of my sponsors just for uh, subscribing, for commenting, rating, whatever you call it, and hitting that five-star rating on there. It really, really, really helps the podcast out a lot. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. If you'd like to support the podcast even more than you already do, please jump on whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Got merchandise on there like T-shirts and hoodies, tank tops, all that kind of stuff. Got a couple different design logos and anything, you know, as far as money goes that I make on that website, it goes directly back into this podcast. And that's to get high quality content for you guys and to help me out when I go out to these shows live and talk to, you know, these wrestlers and MMA fighters in person helps out with that kind of stuff. But anything that is made on whatamaneuver.net is put directly back into this for all of us. Uh, so jump on there and help the show out however you can. But if you can't do that, I understand and I do appreciate you for just listening. Trust me. Uh, please also jump on my Twitter. It's at FightTalk underscore. Please give me a follow there at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. I uh, got a Facebook group as well. Just search at Fight Talk Podcast or the words Fight Talk. Should come up pretty quick. And I game every now and then on Twitch, which is just Fight Talk underscore on Twitch. As far as people that support this show, my sponsors, I can't say enough good things about. I'll start with Heroes and Legends. Heroes and Legends is a pro wrestling and collectible memorabilia company. They specialize in action figures, vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autographed memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Plus, it's run by really nice people, and that means a lot to people like me, at least. Uh, they do fair business, and they got great stuff. So check out Heroes and Legends. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling. And I'll have some dates uh, upcoming for you guys of where they're going to be in the near future and what kind of guests I'll be bringing with them. But it's always good stuff over there at Heroes and Legends. Also, shout out to Brian Jensen. Brian Jensen is a professional boxing cornerman. He is a personal trainer. He can help you out get in better shape, learning how to throw hands. You know, if you're already a boxer and need some new eyes, Brian's the guy for you. Uh, new contact information, ever-changing. Uh, I need to get an updated list, but... Brian Jensen, search him on Google until he gives me better contact information. That's the uh, that's the plug you're getting, Brian. But I believe the number has changed and his Instagram handle has changed. So until then, Brian Jensen is the guy for you. Get a knockout work without getting knocked out. It's hard to even say that because how ridiculous that all sounds. I guess just Google him or find him on social media. 
Also, uh, last but not least, shout out to WrestleRumble.com. Russell Rumble is the best. They do pro wrestling pick 'em contests. The next uh, Royal Rumble, geez, the big one that's coming up at the end of this month, end of January. There's going to be a huge prize list for that. I know that they're going to have another um, authentic WWF Winged Eagle Championship belt up for grabs on that show. So, I mean, on that show, on that contest, I should say. So check that out. I mean, usually $500 cash and a huge prize for first place. And then, you know, hundreds of dollars for second and third and so on and so forth. But check it out, WrestleRumble.com. And follow them on Twitter as well to stay up to date with all their contests at Russell Rumble. Uh, so thank you once again for everyone listening, and I will be back soon.